Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patamaro, and Hats on Lamps. It's episode 123. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. So this week, we're going to review uh, or go over our top comments uh, from Unleashed. So, uh, Hats, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty pretty good today, too. I, uh, yeah, I've actually, uh, yeah, had a pretty good draft week uh, so far. Um, drafted a whole bunch of Menace decks. Um, menace? Todd? Me- no, Menace is in um, oh, Fire. Right. Fire. <laughs> I took a break from Eternal and forgot all the terminology. Yeah, yeah. Menace. <laughs> Fire, Fire Primal Shadow. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It <laughs> seems like I'm stuck in this loop where I now only draft Menace decks, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that, why or how that keeps happening. But I like. I don't feel like I'm forcing it. But then, I'm. I just feel like I'm so unexcited to draft any of the cards. That I end up just picking like my like comfort picks <laughs> in Fire Primal and Shadow. Yeah, well, if it's working for you, then keep doing it. Um, I find that that is true sometimes for me too. There was a period uh, in a couple of weeks ago where basically all of my decks were Stone Scar because those were just the commons that seemed like they were working. So I just kept drafting them. And it was often open, probably because everyone else was drafting uh, Elysian or Cambrai, I guess. Um, and so uh, after like the third in a row, I was like, why is this happening? I thought I was an open sort of uh, flexible plastic kind of a drafter. But, you know, you go through periods where you're not. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I th- I think part, part of it is uh, I took to heart what uh, you had said last episode about justice's commons being so bad and so i've been kind of drafting with the like don't like don't get sucked don't get tricked into drafting justice um (laughs) just because you have like two good uncommons and um and that has led me to then just drafting a bunch of like fire units and uh shadow spells and then yeah (laughs) And has it been working out? Uh, yeah, it has. I mean, I I, I have been doing uh, spectacular, like not a lot of seven win runs, but I've been getting a lot of like four and five threes, so sort of a positive win rate, and and it's been like, and I think the decks have been fine to good. You know, it's it's been a lot of like. I feel like my last four or five drafts have gone where two of my losses are because my opponent played like aerial deployment or something busted. And then one loss is my deck failing me. And and then my draft is over. And it's like, depending on how many wins I had gotten before that is like how many wins I got. But it's like, so it, it feels like not the deck's fault that I, I, I keep getting these like three losses before I get to my seven wins. Um, but you know that's that's the way it goes. Yeah, it is. 
uh yeah you just sort of have to set yourself up for possible success and then hope things go your way that's how the game is designed yeah exactly it's just like uh yeah i mean i could complain about it all day but you know you're just like you feel like you're playing a, a normal game of draft and then all of a sudden you're just like oh didn't kill my opponent quick enough and he just they just drew four cards and they're probably all rares and legendaries i guess this yeah <laughs> this game yeah. is no longer at parity <laughs> There, I think in every format, there's been a few problem cards, though. So I, I guess I'm not sure if it's out of control in in this one or not. Um, I haven't. I don't encounter deployment so often, and have it break so many games that it feels like seriously problematic. But uh, I may have gotten lucky as well, uh, and I'm just sort of not um, running into it as often as most people are, because obviously it's a card that a lot of people first pick and then play no matter what. So you'd think I'd be running into it a lot, uh, but not really. Yeah. You know, it, it, I think for me, like the outcry of it reminds me most similarly to uh, Auto Tread. Where yeah, I was thinking were, about Auto Tread. Yeah. Where, where people were just so sick of it. But I didn't feel that way about Auto Tread. Like Auto Tread, I felt was like, a very good card, and then some decks like just could not beat an auto tread. It's kind of like taunt, where it's like, oh, oh, geez, my hand is all X ones, and then my opponent plays an auto tread, and you're like, oh, shoot. Yeah. Um, but like, auto tread was still like, kill, you, you could like, you kill the auto tread, and then you've dealt with it. They may have like discarded cards to kill your cards, but you, you're still on card parity there. Uh, it's just for some and so it auto tread never really bothered me it's for some reason deployment like t like tilts me off my chair uh -huh. it's like crazy <laughs> i don't i i actually don't understand how i could hate a card as much as i hate aerial deployment yeah well <laughs> yeah um that's a shame. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, they've already made big changes to the format uh, once already, so I doubt they're going to touch that one. Um, I, they mean they did change it, but I don't. They didn't change it for the worse, really. They just no. said, "Hey, let's put let's let's put Helena in the pool, so you <laughs> can also get." <laughs> I know. So you so now now it's not just like uh, expensive bombs that you can get off deployment. You could also get efficient three three flying endurances. <laughs> I know. I I don't understand. I've lost twice to a Nostrix. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, how is this improving? This is not improving this experience for me. Yeah, yeah. Nostrix is real good too, and he's probably going to be able to attack your attack with two units because he's got a full, a full <laughs> hand of Valkyries and birds. <laughs> yeah, it's um, uh, yeah, but um, it's yeah, I don't very... even remember how I got on the tangent. <laughs> I don't know. We were we were talking about Eternal. <laughs> yeah, you were saying that uh, you were saying that you weren't drafting Justice as much. So I think maybe if you're having some success point not drafting Justice. Uh, then somebody plays one of the busted, re you know, sort of trap cards that gets you into justice and wins with it. It sort of feels like they're not doing it right. <laughs> you know, they're like they're 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 playing the they're playing the worst faction, but because it has a handful of really good uncommon cards that make it feel like the best faction. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the problem. It's like when your opponent plays like five great justice uncommons or whatever, you're like, oh man. 
These yeah. are all really, really good cards. Yeah, they don't need any commons. <laughs> all right. Shall we move into card of the week? Sure. So uh, this is a card that we talked a little bit about last week, uh, your card. Um, oh, I don't remember that conversation. We, <laughs> don't, we talked I don't about... Make, I don't make memories anymore. <laughs> my brain is full. Um, my We talked about how bad it was with the uh, Rakano Adept. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. No, it's redundant with the uh, with, with the Rakano Adept, for sure. Yeah. Uh, this is Grappling Hook we're talking about. It's the five fire 2-2 uh, two, two weapon, and on summon, the wielder gets taunt this turn. So the idea of it is that you put it on a unit and then attack with it, and hopefully uh, force your opponent's unit to block and uh, be be swallowed up. And now you have a, a unit with uh, with plus two, plus two. Um, I, I chose it as my card of the week because I've been watching some Twitch streams. What happens a lot is that I'll have a pretty good run uh, on Eternal. And I have. Like, I've been doing pretty well at draft. And then I'll just stop playing because I'm satisfied and watch other people play. And there's not a lot of people drafting on stream right now, but uh, there's a handful. Uh, and I saw one. I saw one streamer uh, start a draft and hope to get grappling hooks, like as many grappling hooks as possible. Um, as though, like the whole reason you would draft is to hopefully get into a deck <laughs> that plays grappling hook. And I thought that was interesting because I don't. I feel like something's pr gone seriously wrong if I've if I'm forced to play grappling hook in my deck. Um, but I think probably the streamer had uh, a pretty good experience with it at some point and now feels it's a good card. Because it is possible to have a very good experience with Grappling Hook if you manage to eat something that's just slightly smaller than your unit with a Grappling Hook on it at just the right time. It feels like you uh, really triumphed. And then if they can't stop the unit with the Grappling Hook because they don't have removal for it, uh, then you go on to win the game. So that feels like a good card. Uh, for me, it's not a good card because I like my cards to be consistently good. And as with anything that gives you taunt temporarily, it's very difficult, I find, to create a situation where it's actually effective. There are times where it will be, absolutely. But the number of times that it, the grappling hook will just be sort of sitting in your hand or you're just sort of forced to play it as a very expensive 2-2 weapon on a flyer or something like that, uh, those times are going to be much, much more common than those times when you like put, put your grappling hook on a 3-3 and then eat their 4-4, which just happens to be their only blocker. Because usually, if your unit has taunt for a turn, it means that your opponent um, gets to sacrifice the unit they like the least from their army <laughs> and that's all it does uh so uh it's very the hook is very expensive for what it does if it cost four i would play it much more often five is really pushing it so um it's uh, i would have to have a very particular deck makeup for me to want to play uh a hook now and so it was only in my mind because um Apparently, my feeling about it is not universal, and it, and it just sort of goes to show you that different people have different approaches to draft and can wildly uh, evaluate, sorry, can evaluate cards wildly differently uh, and, and to some degree be correct. 
I think that I'm my success and probably everybody else up in the tier that I'm competing in right now would probably agree with me about Hook. But that doesn't mean that it's not good for some people sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you uh, mentioned Hook and then described it the way you did, because last episode, which, again, I, I know you have absolutely no memory of. Nope. <laughs> Uh, you kind of had an offhanded comment about how grappling hook could be, can be okay. And I was like, really? I was like, wow, Hats is like really high on grappling hook because I would consider it an absolute failure of my deck if I put a grappling hook in it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's, uh, so I, you're, we're probably closer on grappling hook than I had gotten from that. Yeah. It sounds like my offhand comment really spiraled out of control. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would suggest that that streamer play uh, more bangs if you really want to <laughs> dislike grappling hook. <laughs> I haven't seen that happen, but oh yeah, my god, my literally my oh, first I'm two the next next turn off and my weapon doesn't do anything. <laughs> literally, my first two bangs of this format. <laughs> More grappling hooks. I was like, are there no other weapons in this format? What is going on here? Grappling hook is so bad, it makes other cards bad. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, I agree with everything you said. And I'm, I'm actually, because I, I liked that uh, so much, I'm going to audible my card a week and oh. uh, change mine to uh, Minotaur Taylor, which is the three justice, justice, two, three, Summon, give one of your other units plus one attack and taunt this turn. And I, I, I kind of feel the same way you feel about Grappling Hook about this card, where I think this card is base rate uh, better than Grappling Hook. Uh, it's obviously, it's, it's cheaper. It is kind of annoyingly double justice, which is it just can be surprisingly annoying. So then, uh, you know, like you said, if if you're playing, like we had talked about, if you're just playing Justice for some of your busted uncommons, you might not be strongly in Justice, and therefore the double Justice means you're not playing this till a little bit later sometimes. But it, it is cheaper. Um, but I also feel like this has that problem where it's like, for me, it's always just like a three-cost two-three. Um, and that, But then there are times where this is just so good you know like if you can play this on curve and you've played a two drop your opponents played a two drop and then you get to play minotaur taylor and eat their two drop you've like won the game on <laughs> on turn three and so i feel like i see this a lot but and so i people do like it but i i feel like people are over have to be over evaluating it based on their positive experiences with this card I, I think so. I, I'm i really interested, and I always have been, in the emotional impact that different mechanics have on a card game like this. And I think Taunt is one of the sort of uh, most unhealthy, like, <laughs> immature, uh, sort of gleeful and malicious uh, mechanics they've ever introduced. I'll explain what I mean. It's I I have never had people emote right before they do something as often as my opponents usually like 
you know, gold, uh, like gold and silver opponents, to be fair, who are like just start, you know, I, uh, anyway, what I mean is that they will emote right before they play one of the uh, taunt cards. Like they'll play Taylor and they know they got me, right? With one of their units gets to eat one of my units and I have to block. Um, and so they'll do a, they'll, they'll taunt me themselves before their taunt unit <laughs> activates. And I think that's interesting because I think there's an emotional response in there because not only are you doing a thing in your card game that is good, you're forcing your opponent to do a bad thing. Like if your opponent gets like plays a two drop and then you thunder pop it on at the end of their turn, um, you've killed their unit, right? But they didn't do anything wrong. Like they didn't they didn't they weren't incorrect for playing a unit and then get and then and then to get it killed by removal, even though that was a very efficient play that you made by thunder popping it. But it then if instead of thunder popping it, you play Minotaur Taylor and then your two drop eats their two drop, not only did you remove their card, but they had to throw it into the jaws. You know, they had to. <laughs> like they they had to click on it. They had to click on their blocker. They had to click on your attacker. They had it like breaks the game in a in a way, and so I think it actually makes Eternal um, emotionally manipulative and kind of a darker game all by itself. And I know it sounds like I'm exaggerating a little bit, but what I'm saying is true. <laughs> it's it's like the ugliest mechanic they've introduced because it forces you to do a thing. And I don't. There's nothing else in the game that does that. You might be forced by circumstances to do things that you don't want to do, like chump block or spend a good removal spell on a bad unit just to stay alive. But that never, that never like, is highlighted in red and just says, "Hey, you have to do this now." <laughs> yeah, we know you're gonna hate it, but do it, do it, do it, player. You do it. It doesn't feel good. Yeah, the only thing that's slightly comparable that I can think of is uh, like the Stone Scar. Um, it's like this force you to sacrifice cards, like the Stone Scar invoke card. From yeah, the last that's set. that's a little similar too. Um, Where you're like, no, I don't, I don't want to click any of my stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'd like it. I'd like to keep it all. Thanks. We can just we can just wait until uh, the end of time and the death of the universe <laughs> instead of me clicking my stuff. Yeah, it's similar. It's similar, and then there's. it feels bad to have your stuff sort of milled into the void or have it stolen. There's all kinds of things that feel a little bad. I think Taunt, uh, just because it's so common, yeah, is, exactly. feels worse right now just because like they made it a main mechanic. And there's rarely a bunch of things that make you sacrifice. There's rarely a bunch of things that mill you. There's rarely a bunch of things that steal your stuff. But you get your stuff taunted all the time now, so it feels like the whole format is ugly. Yeah. And I think it's exacerbated with, like, these cheap taunt cards, like a Minotaur Tailor, where, you know, like, that is one of the difference where I, which almost makes it swingier than um, uh, your card, the Grappling Hook, where, you know, the Grappling Hook's five, and that actually lessens the power of that card, because hopefully, you know, it's sort of on your on your opponent if they don't have multiple units out <laughs> by turn five a little bit. Yeah, As... you probably managed to control the board pretty well if your grappling hook ends up being good later. And that's sort of part of the strategy if you have a bunch of taunt cards, is that you try to control the board so that when you do play a taunt card, it actually has some impact. Yeah. Well, like, Minotaur Taylor just feels so, you know, it's just like, 
the variance is higher where like oftentimes because you're not giving the unit attack so later in the game you know it can be a very dead card where you're just playing a three cost two three because you can't actually make any profitable attacks or even if you do you're just eating like a one one or something um but then early game because you're giving it the health if you have like units that are a parity you know it's it's just like the variance is so high with the card and one of the reasons i I, I don't like it in that I don't think it's super powerful, but then it can feel so powerful because it can have such a strong effect early in the game. All right. Well, I think that was a pretty good uh, card of the week this week. Yeah. Yeah. It felt good to complain. It felt real good. <laughs> so uh, move on to our seven one room breakdown. This is our longstanding data collection project where we keep a spreadsheet of people's seven win decks that they uh, submit either through the Discord or to farmingeternal at gmail.com. Though truthfully, I check that less often than I should. We then take this information and we put it in a spreadsheet. I have the spreadsheet up, you can look at it. Um, and then we give you a shout out on air. So uh, we have a huge list because we haven't done this in a while. So we have quite the backup. But our new contributors are AJ Luch, uh, Bead06, Frayed, Kadonker, Loam, Oloran, and Philip Booty. Our veteran contributors are Abednego, Abarash, Abos, Agent Dynamo, Alabazoo, Alex Vieira, Almost, Apricot Knight, Apricot Soup. Uh, big, huge Apricot. We got an Apricot heavy community right now. Yeah, we do. The internal community, very Apricot heavy. Um, Avgots, <laughs> Beard Broken, Cigar Pete, Collector, Cotillion, Darth Herman 2, D Dub, Disc Golf Dan, D Vincent, Papa uh, Papa, Frafa, Full Robot. Glunner, Grundle, Gunner, Hockey, Hockle? I, I think that's an L, right? That's a that's no. a Hockle. Yeah. Right? Hockle. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. You're I always read it. You're, you're just trying to avoid saying my name. Hats <laughs> <laughs> on limbs. Uh, Yay! Hon yeah. Honky, I'm so bad. It long no. It's fiendish. John Holio, Captain Crunch, Creepstar, Lord Perth, Madness Mail, Marcus Gwindle. Mediocre, Mediocre Man, Noth, Newer Shadow, Old Rich, Out on a Limb, Pachi, Patamaro, Phoenix, Roger? I think so. Roger, okay. Raven Dragon, Rev Mev, uh, formerly known as uh, Meavers, Sakarnan, Sleffer, Sniper Bob, uh, Socom Chaos, SSJ1997, Spiffy Man, Steve Irwin, Sunblaze, Tempest Dragon, Overmaster, Titus and Blossom, Twin Hex, Yam Yam, Yist Out, ZS Jostrom 35. Whew. Oh, you did great. Yeah. So that that, that I think cleared cleared the queue for <laughs> a few weeks of uh, non-name reading that we've done here. I, I have not really done any analysis on the spreadsheet, so I don't want to start talking about uh, how that's going, especially because there was such a, an abrupt change in the format. So I got to figure out when that exactly happened and maybe next episode we'll talk more about uh, what's going on. But I did want to say that we're still collecting things. The spreadsheet is up. So if you want to check out what other people are doing, you can do that. All right, shall we move on to our main topic? Yes, please. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, commons, just the best commons of the format. And that's pretty much it. Um, I don't claim that the, my picks for the top five commons in each faction are 
the end all be all like the absolute correct picks uh but um if i were forced against a wall and then told to pick my top five comics <laughs> for each faction right now uh this would be an acceptable list so that's what i've done here <laughs> under duress even though i volunteered to do it um uh, uh are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I was, I was, you know, I was letting you dig that hole for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why that needed to be a hole. <laughs> I could have just said, "Hey, here come our five best commons in each faction." I'm proud of this list that I made. Here we go. <laughs> and no, it would have been exactly the same. But uh, instead, instead, I was me. <laughs> so uh, let's start with fire because it's the one that comes first in this list. Uh, so. So fire's commons are are pretty bad overall, um, but they they do function in uh, an aggressive deck as fire's commons should, um, and that's that's normal for fire in eternal anyway. Is that the individual commons aren't fantastic, but they do uh, they do work uh, they do work together pretty well. Uh, so uh, my first pick is harness thrill seeker. That's a three one for two fire um it has a frenzy ability that says uh frenzy uh thrill seeker gets flying this turn uh so this is a two drop in a set that doesn't have very many strong two drops that's one of the reasons why it's so good um it's just a three one for two which is usually one of fire's worst cards but the fact that it can just sort of jump occasionally and get in another three damage means Sometimes your two drop is going to get nine damage in over the course of the game, which is a very good rate. Uh, there's also a lot of ways to kill something with one health, so it's very vulnerable. Um, and uh, that's a disadvantage of it, but also it only costs you two. So as long as your entire deck isn't made up of things that have only one health, which can happen in this <laughs> format pretty easily. It can happen. It can happen. You just got to try not to have that happen, but it certainly can uh it can so uh, you try not to make your deck so that you lose to a single reverberating strike or you just make your deck that way and then hope nobody has one it's possible that you just get through a whole draft and nobody casts reverberating strike on you anyway thrill seeker is pretty good and i do think that it's fire's best common um if you want to fill your your two drop slot with thrill seekers it's, it's totally fine you'll probably win a few games uh pick two uh and so this, oh wait, wait, wait um... yeah Please, comments. Yeah, I don't know. Should, should I do the comments at the end? or No, let's talk about it now. We've okay. only got 25 cards to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with most of what you said about Thrill Seeker. I, um, I, I think the fact that there aren't a lot of two drops is the, like, the thing that you, that you mentioned that helps Thrill Seeker. Because you, you can often play Thrill Seeker, and even though it's... <laughs> will trade with anything your opponent might not play a two drop and therefore you um you then uh get in a bunch of damage with it and then so yeah i think it, it's better than it looks it's an it's in an interesting you, you have to treat your thrill seekers a little differently than a lot of two drops for fire in the past because normally you want to you do want to trade your two drop off for their blocker so that you can continue doing damage with your later plays but thrill seeker you don't really want to do that because it might be able to jump through the air later um so 
you have to you have to make some difficult decisions sometimes whether it's better to clear the way for your other units or whether you think you can actually get the thrill seeker to do some more damage uh it's it makes it sort of an interesting card uh even though it doesn't have a heck of a lot of text on it yes uh so i am including the reprints from previous sets in this list because they are up against the unleashed cards so uh as far as meaningful choices goes you're often going to uh be comparing the reprints with all of the unleash cards uh so they just count as the top so i've got a bunch of reprints um as as the top five cards uh as the top five commons in each of these factions so mm -hmm. here comes one of them it's rebel sharpshooter uh rebel sharpshooter is a three three uh for three fire it has quick draw when she has four attack or more um, and this is just sort of a perennial good card for fire. Whenever they reprint it, it's usually one of the best commons. It's actually a little worse than usual because there's not a lot of ways to... There's not a lot of combat tricks, basically, um, compared to other formats. So it often doesn't get to just uh, just wreck a combat where somebody double-blocked it or something like that. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not still a 3-3 three, three, a three, three for 3 that ha always has the threat of being able to uh, wreck a combat and therefore is very difficult to block. Yes. Yeah, I I, I actually, I kind of liked Rebel Sharpshooter, um, and I think I would take a Rebel Sharpshooter over Thrillseeker currently, but I would have these two as my, my top two. Um, the Just only be reason that I that I have Thrill Seeker higher is the two drop versus three drop thing. <laughs> it's so easy to get three drops in this format, and it's so hard to get two drops that that just changes the weights for the cards for me. Yeah, no, I I can definitely see that. I think they're they are close. Yeah, they're sort of the bread and butter cheap uh, fire drops in your in your first, second, yeah. and fourth packs. Yeah, the the only reasonable units, more or less. Pretty much. <laughs> so pick three is not a unit. It's Loot Strung Bow. Loot Strung Bow is a relic weapon. It costs one fire. It is a 1-1 one, one weapon uh, that on summon you get to deal one damage to any enemy. And we talked about this last week. It's just sort of a good versatile removal card. Um, it's two damage that can be split up between two things. You can do frenzy damage um, even if your opponent has units and you can't attack uh, through them. Uh, and, but if your opponent has no units for whatever reason, perhaps because the one damage from the bow killed their only one, uh, hitting them in the face also activates Frenzy. So Lootstrung Bow is one of the few cards that can activate Frenzy twice when you when you play it, uh, which makes it very good in, uh, in Frenzy-heavy decks. And always fine as a removal card, because you can always just do do damage to the same unit and there's a lot of things with two two or one health um so it's a pretty effective little card i usually don't like having more than two in my deck but that's just because of the way relic weapons are if you have a relic weapon um in play you can't play your other relic weapons or if you do you're just throwing away a card so i it's easy to have too many relic weapons in a deck and uh so but you sort of get diminishing returns if you pack your deck with them. But I'm happy to play two of them in my deck and sort of look forward to if I happen to be in fire. 
Yes. Yeah, this uh, this card is, uh, I think, better than its look. We talked about it the other day. All right. Pick four. Party Crasher. Party Crasher is a five drop. It uh, costs five fire. It is a 4-2 uh, Oni with uh, charge and taunt. And on summon, you can exhaust an enemy unit. Party Crasher is pretty good. A five, the five slot in your draft decks these days can often have a lot of units in it, so it's sometimes competing. Uh, but it gives you a lot of control over the board the turn you summon it. And a lot of times, your opponent will only have one blocker that they've left up, and then the Party Crasher can exhaust it, and then you get through with your whole team. That's a common thing that happens. But sometimes you want to use it as removal, and unless your opponent has three whole units, you do get to choose which unit blocks the Crasher. Uh, it's one of the few taunt cards that doesn't annoy me because I think it's sort of I think it's well designed and interesting. Um, it doesn't keep. I mean, it does keep taunt. It taunt is permanent, but it's not going to live through uh, a combat phase. So it doesn't feel like a taunt that is going to kill more than one unit. Um, it, it's either a, a card that does four damage to your opponent's face or trades for one of their mid-size units. Uh, and that's fine. That's a great thing for a five drop to do. Um, I like the versatility. And uh, I, again, I'm not going to want to pack my deck with these things because they do cost five. But they're they're a pretty good way for fire to... Uh, to do the the final damage that they need to do, um, in in order to win a game. Yeah, I, I agree. This card uh, is a card that I underrated at first and have have grown to like because it does everything you described. It's funny. I I, I kind of like this too as a taunt card because oftentimes when I play it, I'm like I wish it instead gave one of your other units taunt because you're like I really want to just like hit them for four though I don't I don't want my four drop to <laughs> to block their you know attack into their two two I, I want my my two two to attack into their two two and my four drop my four two to hit them so it, it has a, a cool tension to it that uh is it, kind of fun so you're often using it to like like you said you exhaust a unit you you kill off sort of the unit you want to kill off and then it dies and you're, you know you're like three ones and your two twos get in for damage but that means that they're still around to like attack next turn for the final damage or whatever so kind of a cool card yeah you can either win right then on that turn <clears throat> or you can set up to win on future turns it's uh, it's it's a nice board control card um, and it's a board control card in unit form, which is which is kind of one of the things that Eternal does well. Pick five. Uh, I think this is probably a controversial pick. A lot of the a lot of the fifth best cards are going to be <laughs> because the quality of the commons in this set is generally pretty low. Um, but I went ahead and picked Deuces Wild for this. Uh, I, I'll probably change my mind about this next week. Who knows? But um, I think it's an interesting card. It's uh, a fast spell. It's two fire and it give one of your units plus two, plus one this turn. But if you have another Deuces Wild in your void, draw a card. So a two-drop a two fast spell, uh, a two-cost fast spell that gives you plus two, plus one, and draws a card is good. That's a good card all the time. Sometimes you can just cast it if your unit is unblocked for an extra two damage because you want to draw a card. Or you can just draw a card off of it without attacking. That's a versatile card. The problem, obviously, is that you need 
multiples of this card in your deck before it's a good card because plus two plus one for two is rarely going to be really good in combat but sometimes it will because no one's expecting you to play any combat tricks whatsoever <laughs> um, in this format uh there's very few of them and uh, so I found that Deuce's Wild is is good enough most of the time, but of course you do have to be willing to take one fairly early and then jump on the ones that come up later. Uh, that's not always that's not for the faint of heart because uh, sometimes it feels like you're wasting a pick if you take Deuce's Wild over another playable card. Um, but I found that it's often uh, fine. It's fine. It's a fine strategy. I'd rather take it over Concealed Derringer. Um, but also, all of the commons at this point are not commons that I'm crazy about putting in my deck, so I just kind of chose Deuce's Wild as the one that I think is potentially actually strong, as opposed to uh, settling for for uh, barely playable cards. Like, there's a lot of things in Fire where you can make an argument for it, depending on the makeup of your deck. Like, Breath of Voprex is a playable card right now, of all things. But you really don't want to be for, you don't want to be picking it that high because you don't know if you have a frenzy deck and it's only good in a frenzy deck. There's uh there's out muscle, which is a more versatile uh combat trick, but it costs four, and that is a lot for any combat trick. Yeah, so much. <laughs> it's so much. I thought out muscle was really good because it does give you overwhelm. Um I thought it was really good at the beginning of the format, and then it's just so expensive. I would have out muscles just sitting in my hand. Because I didn't have time to play them, um, so I know I I think between Deuces Wild and Out Muscle, the choice is is clear to me now, uh, at least early in the draft. Late in the draft, if I don't if I know it, it would be my first Deuces Wild, I'm probably not going to take one. But we're talking about early in the draft because that's the only time ratings really matter. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a little lower on uh, Deuces Wild. I I tend now to. I mean, obviously, like you said, you sort of it's. There's a weird tension where you you have to pick them early to be able to get enough of them that you're happy with them. But at the same time, I'm like really not excited to pick them unless we have a couple cards like Rebel Sharpshooter already in our pool where I'm like really happy with it. Because the we might even have talked about this. I forget if it was on the podcast or not, where uh, a thing that I, I had... A situation I had come up a bunch is just because fire has such high attack, low toughness um, units, you ended up not being, it was always like a trade, you know, like I was attacking with my harness thrill seeker into, I don't know, like a, a Terrazon or something, you know, so I was yeah. never like saving my unit with the deuces wild. It, it, it was always still trading. Um, and so it, it felt bad just to spend two and um you know you're you're still down a card on your first one so i i, th I do think that it's better in Rakano if you somehow end up in Rakano because the uh the justice units tend to have uh large health and and low attack and then deuces wild is pretty good <laughs> yeah i agree i mean even yeah like something like a midnight tinker and then making that a three three so it can trade off with like a you know a two two that you're your opponent thinks they're eating it with or something like that is like a much more exciting <laughs> of a play pattern to me, which yeah. is not how I had played it. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think, um, I think I would have engraver uh, on this list 
I've kind of liked the card. It's it's just the three fire two two summon play a zero one etch totemite in tomb play a zero one etch totemite, where you'd kind of think with fire being kind of aggressive that a three cost two two wouldn't do much, but maybe I maybe it's part of it is that I'm stuck in these like bad set twelve habits where I'm I'm still playing a lot of fifteen power decks, and then engraver often kind of like helps me hit my get to my like five drop or whatever or later in the game gives you you know yeah i feel like a lot of times you're like you have like an unleash card in your hand and i'm like you're like oh, i just need one more power and then i can like do two of these and then engraver has come in clutch for me uh, a bunch of times giving me like that little extra power that allows me to, you know, play some of these more expensive cards. Like you were talking about, you get stuck with like a ton of five drops and, you know, you play Engraver and the next turn you play your fourth power and then you get to play your five drop. And Yeah, I think I, I like Engraver too, um, just fine. I just find that Engraver, uh, if I want some Engravers, I'll get them. <laughs> they're, 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 not in, they're not in high demand. They're not. Uh, no, the, I mean, that is true. I you do sometimes end up with more engravers than you say want to play, but I do think it's yeah, it's a good card. I think it's a good card, and it would be an even better card if there were a real sacrifice theme in this format. Like, I, it's so great if I get to six power and I can play an engraver and an experimental chamber, for example, because uh, it's one of the few chances I have to use the etched totemite for something other than temporary power. But if it's just temporary power, then that's fine. Because I, too, am in bad habits and try to play 15 power as often as I can. And, you know, Engraver lets you play play a four drop on the in the game that you don't ever draw more than three sigils. Yeah, exactly. I think you can make an argument for Engraver in, in, in the list. Um, you might be able to make an argument for Grizzled Hermit even, but I'm not real high on the card. Uh, it's another one of those cards that's great when it's great, but uh, often doesn't really do much. Anyway. Um, Man, the, my one last thing. What's yeah. the Overwhelm? The five cost can't hit Overwhelm. Uh, oh. Uh, uh, gun Down, probably. No, Gun Down's the quick draw one. Oh, then the other like one. Like Burnout. It's Burn. burn no. Burnout's it's not a- Burnout because that's in Shadow. Uh, let's see. It would be in a set that I'm not currently looking at in Eternal War Cries, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, but the one that does, it's the five cost spell that does five damage to a unit without Overwhelm. Yeah, so tilting that it doesn't kill Grizzled Hermit. That yeah, comes up so yeah well. Grizzled Hermit is so powerful, it can't, can't be killed. I keep, uh, I keep running into that. Yeah. Are you are you ever down to play a riot flame in your deck? My last fire card comment. A riot flame. Riot oh, flame the is seven, the seven the, cost. The seven uh, so I was just looking up. It's hoof stomp. Hoof stomp is the one. Yes. With overwhelm, riot flame is a tough one. Um, I don't really. I this this is evidence to me that they wanted to have an expensive spells theme for this set, and then they made a few cards for it. They made that one, uh, that one fire uncommon that draws a card and then goes back to your hand if it's if it costs seven or more, and <laughs> then gave up. <laughs> that was it. That was all they wanted to do was to make like 
a seven cost fire spell, a seven cost justice spell, and then that's it. That's all they're doing. Yeah. And they, yeah, they give you that, that uncommon in an engraver and say good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is this, is, it, so Riot Flame isn't good enough for its cost. I'm not sure why they made the card the way they did. It does eight damage total, but four of that is to an enemy unit, four, da- four of it is to the enemy player. Obviously, it activates Frenzy while killing a mid-range unit, but it doesn't do any one thing well, so it does feel like a bit of a wasted slot for a card. I, I If I... I don't know. I mean, I've put Riot Flame in decks because the the signals were bad and I was short on playables, but I'm never going to be happy about it. I'm never going to go, oh, great, I see a Riot Flame. That's exactly what my deck needed at the top end. It's the first cut I always make because it's like, well, I actually have enough cards that don't cost seven, so... I'll probably just I'll probably just play those. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've got I've got like a I've got a two cost spell that does four damage to an enemy unit, and I've got a and I've got no no uh I've got a ton of ways of activating frenzy. So I guess the the spell that probably I won't be able to cast in any given game that does both just isn't going to make the cut. Yeah. Okay. That's what I really a shame. The art's kind of cool, but uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> so there's art on bad cards. They should just leave the blank. Yeah. Okay, so let's okay. move on to time. Please. <laughs> uh, so time has all the best commons for some reason. Um, it's not even close. The, I guess Primal could make give it a bit of a run. but uh, yeah. Even after they nerfed the best time common. Yeah, they're just, let's just make the really broken one uh, unplayable, but then they left all the others. Anyway, uh, my pick for number one is Grumbo's Platoon. I think it's the best common in the set. Uh, and I know that that's not necessarily a universally held opinion, but I do think it's true. Uh, Grumbo's Platoon is a very simple card with very little text on it. It is costs two time. It's a 2-1, and it says Unleash on it. Um, since the nerf to Insect Swarm, this is the only common unleash unit uh that costs two uh which means that it scales extremely rapidly uh you can make three of these on turn six you can make four of them on turn uh when you have eight power so probably not on turn eight but when you have eight power and then if the game goes long it just keeps getting better and better uh that's not really what makes it so good though what makes it so good is that there are a lot of ways to abuse unleash uh as as always um uh, and so bouncing it back to your hand with a Graviturgist to make it a 3-2 is a common play pattern that is very effective. Uh, playing a Double Doors, which is otherwise not a great card, makes the Grumbo's Platoon play late in the game uh, very hard to stop because it's like a 2-1-3-2-4-3-5-4, good luck on my next attack kind of a play. Uh, so, I, But it also can be played as a 2-drop. Um, if you're facing early aggression, and since most of the early aggression can't actually attack profitably into a 2-1, it can only trade, a lot of times that's enough to stop it. Um, so I just think it's versatile enough and uh, often powerful enough that it's... And also, uh, again, 2-drops are, are not uh, that common in this format, so having a 2-drop that can be uh, an overwhelming board presence later in the game is pretty good. So uh, again, versatility makes it uh, makes it a, a great card instead of uh, just a, a filler card. 
Yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's a great card. Uh, we, we had talked, um, I think it's clear uh, if you played that uh, number two, uh, you have Happy Harvester, and I probably have them switched in my current pick order, but I could, I think they're very close, and I could see Platoon being actually better. Yeah, and I, I can see making that argument too. Um, but I do, yeah, we can talk about Happy Happy Harvester. It costs three time, it's a 3-4, and on summon you exhaust Happy, Happy Harvester and Scout. So it is a really good card. Um, it's not nothing that you have to exhaust it because um, that means if your opponent has an aggressive start, they get a whole extra turn of being aggressive before the Harvester can start blocking. Um, but it is a highly effective card for one thing because it kind of smooths your draws uh, with the scout ability. Um, it's a great thing to do on turn three if you want to set up your next turn. And then it does engage and become a really good blocker uh, the turn after um, you've played it. And if you're if you're on the attacking plan, it's great because there's nothing else that can stop a three four uh, on turn three. Uh, there's no other. There's very few other single cards that can do it. Um, Fire does have one pack where it can pick up um, whatever the card is that does four damage for two. Um, but because that's only one pack, your your, your fire opponent's not going to have that many. And then there's nothing for three or two that just kills it outright, as unless I'm forgetting something obvious. Uh, so it's probably going to stick around for a couple of turns, doing all the damage the three, four for three can do. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's a a very strong card. It's yeah, it, it's good defensively. It's good on attack because it's bigger than all the other three drops. And I think time can have a, some pretty aggressive decks this format with cards like Grumbo's Platoon. And we've talked about how like time can go wide this format. And so attacking with your go wide strategy with the Happy Harvesters, pretty good because your opponent's like forced to make some awkward blocks. And the scout is so helpful, especially like I said, <laughs> with my 15 power decks, it really helps to find that power when you need it or, you know, smooth out your hand a lot. So excellent card. Yeah, there's there's a few cards with Scout in this set, and um, most of them seem to have taken a big hit for in, in power level uh, in order to have Scout on them, but not Harvester. <laughs> Harvester, if anything, is bigger. Uh, I guess they decided that exhausting it when it came into play was a uh, strong enough i think uh here's here's my guess on how the development of this card went they were <laughs> like let's have time have a really big unit uh that co that costs three uh so they're like okay three four three is obviously too good let's give it um let's give it some kind of a drawback and they're like okay it's exhausted when it comes into play uh and then they're like this it this feels it just feels like this card just feels lame. <laughs> it feels bad to play it, uh, even though it's obviously a good card. Still, it's bad, and so but we don't want to we don't want to improve any of the numbers because it'll be too good if it's a four four. It'll be too good if it's a four if it's a three five. So let's just give it some lame, <laughs> like rand, completely random uh, ability that's not quite worth an entire ability point, and then it ended up with scout. Yeah, I just think about how they used to make cards like the 
just there's a justice a four cost justice four four that can only attack if you play a spell. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have a card like this, where it's a you know, like that's a pretty big downside. And then you they're like, oh, this is above rate. Let's give it a small downside of it can't block the opponent's two drop for a turn. Uh, yep, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Things, things have changed. Um, but All only, right. So, only oh. for time. Only time gets units like this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So number three. Number three is Towering Terrazon. So Towering Terrazon, what, was this in the very first set? And we're still seeing it in draft. Is that right? Uh, I forget. Yeah, yeah. This oh, is sorry. I, I, I don't. I, I think it is the first set. Yes. Yeah, it's a set, it's a set one card. Uh, so Towering Terrazon is a six five dinosaur that costs five time time. Uh, that's it. It has no text. Uh, it's one of the best cards in the format. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Set one back when they knew how to make print good cards. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there and again the same reason that Harvester is good. There's just nothing else this size at this cost. And very little that's this size in the format, period. It's not a format full of giant units. It's the only one, really, um, especially a common. So, yeah, it's often just sort of unopposed for a while on the board, and it will definitely eat at least two of your opponent's cards unless they've got something with Deadly. And, yeah, uh, it's just pretty effective. It, uh, like... The double time uh, is not really that much of a drawback, usually, uh, because it is a five. Uh, if, if you're playing two factions, uh, usually you'll have that second time by the time you have five sigils in play. So, yeah, there's not a lot of drawbacks to just sort of slamming these things and playing them. Uh, like I said earlier, the, you can end up with a lot of five drops. Um, like, uh, one of the problems if you play Praxis is that these the Terrazons are going to be competing with your party crashers, um, and usually Terrazons just going to win because it's, yeah, yeah, it's not much it's of a, competition. It's a 6-5 compared to a 4-2. <laughs> like, you can put all the text you want on the 4-2, but unless it says Exalted on it, like, it's not enough <laughs> It's not enough text. Uh, <laughs> your Terrazons going to win. So, yeah, you just sort of end up with as many Terrazons as you can play in your in your time decks. Because uh, the only thing that stops them from taking over the board is your ability to get to five power. Yes. Um, agreed. Great card. All right. Uh, number four. So that's Tenured Graviturgist. I really like this card. Uh, Graviturgist is a four-time 2-2 two -two with flying, uh, which is okay all by itself. And its ability is you may put another one of your units into your hand and give it plus one, plus one. And that plus one, plus one is permanent, of course. Uh, so this works really well with unleashed units, um, especially because unleashed units uh, are a card where if you play it early, um, it's nice to be able to play it again later because unleashed units are obviously much more powerful when you have more power in hand. So you can either bounce them back to your hand or you can bring them back from the void. Um, but Graviturgist is one of the few ways to give them a permanent buff and do the thing that you want to do with them anyway, which is get it back in your hand so you can play it again. Uh, it just slots very well into what Time wants to be doing. If you have Gravitur, just suddenly Insect Swarm is a good card again. It's a 1-2 with Ambush and Flying and Unleash, 
Um, if I see someone play an insect swarm at the end of my turn three, I am killing that thing if I have any way to. You know, <laughs> if I've got a thunder pop in hand, that insect swarm is going down because I'm not going to have time if the graviter just brings it back into their hand on their next turn. And that's almost certainly what they're planning on doing. And I've yeah. had that exact thing happen uh, against a good player. And I'm like, they cast the insect swarm at the end of my turn. That, that I'm not letting that live <laughs> if I have the power to to stop it because insect swarm's pretty good if it's a two three. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Um, yeah, graviter just it, it's a cool card. I mean, even at, at the base rate, sometimes you just need to get in some uh, flying damage, and graviter just does that, and it synergizes so well with the the unleashed cards. Pretty cool card. Even if you don't have an Unleashed card on board, a lot of times if you're in some sort of a board stall situation, just getting one of your units back into your hand and then bringing it back slightly bigger is enough to break the board stall. Or if it's something like Harvester, it can scout again. Or yes. if it's like a Praxis Duster, it can get its plus three, plus three again. You know, there's a lot of battle, or not battle cries, I've been playing Hearthstone. There's a lot <laughs> of summon abilities uh, that you might want to use again. And yeah, so, and Oh. <laughs> the most hilarious thing I've seen is that Graviturgis can bring Graviturgis back to hand. So if you have two of them, you can just and you have like eight power, you can just keep on summoning them <laughs> and they keep growing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was kind of going to speak to that a little bit in that a lot of games, some number of games in this format, like come down to like people just having a bunch of little flyers and not be you know everyone had like there's like three two twos on both sides of the board or whatever and a graviter just can really help sort of break that parity by buffing you know you buff a little flyer it, it just needs to be a little bit bigger than your opponent's flyers and all of a sudden it's sort of doing its job again yeah uh yeah it's it's, it's great in a lot of situations and then you know there's been plenty of Four cost two two flyers that have been just just good enough to play for like the length of eternal draft. Yeah, um, and it's not one of your first picks, but this has a good enough ability that it's not just a two two flyer that it also tends to tends to really help you on the board. It's terrible, of course, if it if you have to summon it on an empty board and your opponent uh, already has a board with some units on it, but you know you don't. Uh, it's not its role in the deck. You, yeah, it's, that happens uh, sometimes. It's a it's a helper, not a not a front lines. Um, well, I'm at a loss for words, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think mean, I think we, yeah, we said all and we needed to say for that. I'd love to say more, but uh, <laughs> let's go on to number five. <laughs> uh, number five, I have as Stone Skin. So Stone Skin is one of the cards that did get hit in the um, in with the with the mass nerf bat, uh, but also it's still a good card. Um, it is a fast spell. It costs two time. You give a unit plus two health this turn. It deals battle damage equal to its health this turn and can attack even if it's attack is zero or less uh so um, it's it's a combat trick uh, again in a format without a ton of them it only costs two 
And depending on the makeup of your deck, um, it can increase the amount of damage a unit does by a lot while letting it survive. The previous version of it let it keep the plus two health bonus, and I think that actually was a little too good. I like that they changed that. Um, but it's still something that you have to play around if you're playing against somebody with a with a pause um, mm -hmm. and they're playing time because the card can really wreck you sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, this was interesting because I feel like people really overreacted to this nerf where they were just like, oh, Stone Skin is unplayable now. And I, I think the fact that this does something kind of unique, you know, where you're, where it can so vastly change the combat math that it's it's still pretty powerful. You know, like there's no other card like get more more or less. You know, like a finest hour, you're just like, oh, every unit gets plus three, plus three. But the fact that this turns like an 05 into something that can deal eight damage or whatever, even not even like not even on um offense, but even just like on defense, where it's like, oh, you know, I can uh, I can sort of attack safely in with my four two four fours into a one five and then all of a sudden like stone skin eats that you know out of nowhere is is uh, i think uh it's kind of just like a surprising trick which makes it better than it might look yeah and it's surprising if you don't play like i think a lot of its power is in the fact that it's surprising and it's you have to play around it specifically. You can't just sort of say, hey, my unit is this much bigger than the other unit. That's how safe I am from combat tricks. You have to just pay attention to its health uh, specifically. <laughs> yeah. It just sort of makes you think about things a little differently. Um, and I always feel proud of myself when I play around a stone, when I have my opponent on stone skin and play around it effectively, where at least they can't like, where at least their unit's also going to die, you know, so they've, They've two for one themselves. Um, it's uh, it's something that you can play around, but you can't accidentally play around it the way that you can with some other combat tricks. You have to specifically play around it, which I think makes it a good card to have in a limited format. I've also used Stone Skin on a you know uh, diminish. I think it's called the curse that reduces your uh, your unit to zero attack. Yeah. I've used Stone Skin on a diminished unit so that I had uh, was able to attack with it and had lethal, which was which felt real good. Yeah, no, that's that's super sweet. <laughs> yeah, uh, like I'm I'm gonna teach you that diminish is not a good card. I'm gonna teach you with Stone Skin. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty good. Yeah, it is interesting with your time list. Um, I do feel like there is a bit of a drop drop off. The like the first four time commons are very powerful and then stone skin i think is a good card but not as clearly powerful as the other four and then looking at the rest of the time commons there are, there's a few okay cards in here but nothing nothing is that's great uh the one other card i did want to uh, ask about is uh dune wave which is a card that was buffed or, or at least changed significantly um, and now it's a three-time fast spell with Unleash. Put a unit with flying on the bottom of its owner's deck. Yeah. Uh, my feeling on Dune Wave is that I'm, it's never a high pick for me, but I'll often play one in a deck if I'm playing time. 
But I found it to be a much better card in a deck that already has a pretty good removal suite. Um, because I, I don't like to have to kill like a 2-2 flyer with a dune wave. And that's mm -hmm. often the kind of flyer that you have to kill. And sometimes you'll tag something better than that, for sure. Sometimes you'll tag multiple things. Um, but again, it's a very situational... It's a situational card um, in the sense that it's never... It's very rarely going to be great, at least against a good opponent. It is sometimes going to be great, and then occasionally it's going to be useless... A lot of a lot of games in this format will have a flyer or two that you can target, so it's rarely going to be completely useless. But sometimes it's not going to be like, uh, like great. You get to remove your opponent's um, flyer, but then they kill you with like another flyer or something. You know, it's often right. not going to be a situation where the Dune Wave was awesome. But I've definitely put one in my deck. Uh, especially if I have other removal, which uh, is more versatile. So I can use the the Dune Wave for spot removal on something that I absolutely need to, but then I've still got good removal for a wider variety of targets. Um, and I'm never going to put two Dune Waves in my deck. Something has gone wrong if I do that. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's been hard for me to evaluate this card because kind of like what we've talked. Yeah, it just has a, a wide a wide sort of disparity between how good it can be in a game and it's hard to know when to pick it exactly yeah i agree uh i think it's a tough card to to, to place um but with some experience with it i think that it's it's playable but not exciting mm -hmm. all right let's move to justice oh do we have to so just <laughs> it'll be quick It'll be quick. Um, yeah, Justice has no good commons at all. Um, it has some playable commons for sure, but uh, most of them are borderline. Uh, I guess the first one, though, is a card that I actually like, and it's a reprint. I have Covenant Peacekeeper as the best Justice common. It's a 2-2 for 3 Justice. Uh, on summon, it stuns an opponent's unit. So that's just sort of a good, like card um at any point in the game stunning something is probably relevant and if you've got a fast start uh then you can get a little extra damage in right away uh peacekeeper is always fine it's not a card that i'm happy to first pick first pick um which is kind of sad because you want to have at least one common in a faction <laughs> that is a good first pickable card uh justice just doesn't have one yeah my other problem I've had with peacekeepers in this format is um there's just like the the justice commons are so bad that you're not like getting in a ton more damage by playing it's like I end up with like four four peacekeepers and they're just like stunning and then the next one is stunning and I attack with for two with the previous one and I'm not really like doing anything with them I think what you want your justice decks in this format to do, um, and, and this is assuming that you don't have just a bunch of broken on commons and you're just going to win through sheer force, uh, is that you want to be controlling your opponent's board to the degree where your taunt stuff can actually be effective. Mm -hmm. uh, and Peacekeeper's pretty good at that. Um, just sort of taking, taking your opponent's blocker that you don't want blocking out of the running for a, a couple of turns sometimes lets you do a little taunt damage 
it's tough though because the yeah your your units don't have high enough quality to really take advantage of it if you're heavily in justice but right uh, like what like what are you doing it's like turn two you play a midnight tinker and then like turn three you play a peacekeeper and either you attack in for one damage or if your opponent happens to have like an x1 you force a trade it's like you're not you're not doing i mean you can't talk about mono justice as though that's like what you're going to be doing it has to be it has to be that you're playing something else on turn two like you know a thrill seeker i know but sometimes in your two faction deck you just you draw two just justice units and you're like sure. stuck playing them on turn two and turn three that's never good but i i recommend not going into justice unless you have a real good reason yeah no i know no even that's if you I'm... see a peacekeeper <laughs> even if you see a peacekeeper then don't don't go into justice yeah no i know that well that's that's the point of my story too it's yeah, just like yeah. it's, that's what i this peacekeeper has felt i still think it i agree with you it's the best common uh in justice but it has felt, having played a bunch of them, it has felt worse than it has felt in previous formats. And I think that is in a large part due to how bad Justice's commons are. Like, Peacekeeper gets better the better the surrounding units are. And so if your surrounding units are bad, Peacekeeper is not a good enough unit on its own to, like, make a deck. Compared to, like, say, like a card like Grumbo's Platoon or a Happy Harvester, where you're just like, it's... It's just strong enough on its own to sort of, you know, make <laughs> anchor a deck almost. Yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. Um, so number two is saddle up. Saddle up is a reprint um, from way back from set four. It's uh, a car, a fast spell. It costs three justice, and you give a unit plus four plus four this turn. Just kind of a mediocre combat trick. <laughs> Uh, but it does give a big boost, so probably your unit does win that combat. But also, it's it's pretty easy to see it coming. Um, your 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 good players will rarely get wrecked by a saddle up because they know that's what you're likely to cast. Um, that's the price of playing any. That's the that's the price of playing any combat trick that costs more than two. Is that it's usually pretty easy to see coming. Uh, but saddle up is pretty effective for what it does. Um, if your opponent is like double or triple blocking it really get messes them up and um it's sort of a good card to have in your deck if you if you do happen to have an aggressive deck that includes justice uh you're going to want some saddle ups because you also can just do a bunch of damage to their face out of nowhere yes agreed not a card i'm excited to put in my deck but nope but it's fine it's a it's, it's a medium card in in a in a format that has finest hours. Saddle up looks really terrible. <laughs> it costs three times as much for only a plus one plus one bonus. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's go to the next justice comment. So at least this one's interesting. I I have this as desertion. It is a curse that you play on a unit. Um, the cursed unit can't attack at the end of the enemy player's turn if no units attacked. Kill the cursed unit, um, and it costs four justice. So uh, I, I know there's been some d discussion. I think this is another one of those trap cards that uh, people like because it was really effective in some circumstances. And it's great if you play it on your opponent when they have only one unit on board and it costs like four or even three power, and then they just sort of 
have to watch it wither and die. But I think part of, again, I think there's an emotional component to this where sort of watching a, an opponent's unit like be useless for a turn and then die <laughs> makes it feel like a better card than it is. Because this is a removal spell that costs four that might not work at all and also sometimes it will still leave a blocker for several turns if it doesn't work. So it's not a I, it's not a good card, but it feels like a good card when it's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the circum so uh, it's circum uh, circumstantially good is not the phrase that I want. Um, situational, uh, yeah. situationally good, and it feels better than it is when it is good. So I think that. Uh, I think that it sometimes is a little bit over uh, uh, overvalued. That said, sometimes you can't get enough removal in your deck and you need ways of dealing with, say, a Towering Terrazon, uh, and then it's fine. If you have sort of a Huru Flyers deck, Desertion's great because you're only going to want to cast it on big ground units that would be able to race your Flyers. And uh, so it serves a purpose. Um, compare this to removal spells in any of the other factions, and it looks terrible. <laughs> but because it's injustice, it's like, oh, justice always gets wonky removal spells, uh, then it feels fine. It's still justice's third best common. I'm talking about it as though it's the worst card in the faction. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. It does a thing. It does exactly what it says on the card. Uh, but it's not powerful, and also it does cost four, so it is. it takes your whole turn to kind of remove a card. And then also, it stays on the board, so if your opponent is playing a uh, tenured Graviturgist, they just take it back, and then bring it back bigger next turn. Yeah. Yeah, I think this card can be... I think this card wants to be in a deck, well, like you said, with either like a Flyers deck or a controlling deck that's trying to like stay alive till the late game where you're then playing your bombs and you don't yeah. mind that your opponent has a blocker. You know, this is, even though it's like, I don't know, theoretically cheap removal, it's not like, as in like cheaper than cast out or, you know, it's not, it's not like hugely expensive, but it, it's not a good aggressive removal because what you're trying to do in your aggressive deck is get rid of blockers, and this is not doing that. Nope. Nope, it's not. Um, so, yeah, uh, there there are definitely decks where it's better. I, I agree with you. Um, uh, but I wouldn't pick it up very high unless I knew that's sort of the direction that my deck was going. Yes. So I actually am looking at the list that I made, and I'm not sure that I agree with it anymore. I have Midnight Tinker as number four here, and I not sure that that's it's such a weak card i don't and it needs help to be good um i kind of want to put griffin bomber here now i'm gonna i'm gonna say griffin bomber um which i did not even have as five so i'm really switching things up at the last minute here but let's talk about griffin bomber instead of tinker uh bomber is a two two flyer for four justice um and when it attacks it gets plus two plus two this turn if you have a relic i i think that's Maybe this should be five. I'm gonna, let's just say that all of Justice's commons are bad, and they uh, they're all five. <laughs> they're all five. They're all number five. Um, this one, 
I th I think that there is sort of a not it's not a great relic deck, but I think you know what? I, now that I'm saying it's clearly a bad card unless you're already in the relic deck. And therefore, I should not be talking about it. Yeah, no, um, but actually, what I what I would say is, I pick bomber like it's number four, and I'm always disappointed with it. Yeah, so let's say that that's that's true about it. Like Copper Hall Recruit is probably about as good as bomber, and that's a two five without flying and no text on it. Yeah, so, you know, bomber has the same problem we've been talking about with a lot of cards in this set, where. It gives you that, like, when Bomber's good, it is really, really good. The problem is it's not really, really good all the time. But you, yeah. but because you had that one experience where it's really good, you keep picking it like it's really good, and it's making your decks worse. Yeah, I think that's the situation. So let's forget that I mentioned Bomber. Let's say Minotaur Taylor is number four, because even though uh, it is all of the... Even though it has all of the problems that we talked about um, when you made it the card of the week, uh, it's still kind of good when it when it's good, and it's never any worse than a two three for three. Um, mm -hmm. It's fine, uh, but let's talk briefly about uh, about Midnight Tinker, which at least deserves to be in decks in Justice decks sometimes. It's so a you, have, you, you sometimes have to pick it just because it's a two drop. It's a two drop, and you want to play something on two. It's a one two for two justice. It has taunt, and when it dies, you give a unit or weapon in your hand plus one plus one. Uh, I'm kind of back to thinking that it's number four and better than better than than Taylor now. But uh, you can see how little I like talking about justice and how <laughs> hard it is to even choose a top five but tinker uh is helped by the fact that there are unleashed cards not a lot of unleashed cards in justice but if you're pairing it with uh with primal or time uh you can give your you can give your unleash unit the bonus uh there's plenty of flyers that can use a, a bonus a bonus is good on any unit at all it's very good on relic weapons so even if you have to throw your Tinker away and it doesn't get a good trade, uh, you can force it to die most of the time, unless you're facing another 1-2, and then you get to give the bonus to something that you want. And then, because this is one of the few cards that has permanent taunt and is relatively efficient, uh, there are times when you can put a weapon on this thing and then it becomes a wrecking ball. Um, I had a deck that had two... Uh, what's its faces? Um, it's the one one with life steal. Uh, it's an uncommon that yeah, Al alchemy student. Alchemy student. Um, and I had two of those and a couple of midnight tinkers. And so I had a few starts to a few games where I played uh, turn two midnight tinker and then made a two three with life steal on the next turn. And often that was enough to kind of dominate the early game because there wasn't my opponent wasn't able to make something bigger than a two two for a couple of turns. Um, and then the Tinker, when it finally had gained me like six life and then traded for something, got to give something else a bonus. That was pretty good. That wasn't bad. Um, it's the cheapest permanent taunt that you can get, and there's some value in that. But unless they re, uh, sort of reconfigure the, the pack somehow, like change the reprints or something so that there are more cheap weapons to put on units, uh, Tinker's always going to be kind of a mediocre card, and you're going to play it because there's no other two drops. Yes, I agree. Though it's like we've been saying, I think that's going to be a hard balancing act because you can't make Tinker too good or it's going to be oppressive. Oh, yeah, it's awful. It 
if if they did, I I like if you put finest year, hour in this format, it's just like oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, and that's temporary. Like, if they put Crown Watch Longsword in the format, yeah. I know I was saying last week, oh, they should do that. They should not do that, because <laughs> the openings that are like Midnight Tinker into Crown Watch Longsword will be unbeatable. Like, that's a 3-4 yeah. with Taunt on turn 3. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, as far as the other Justice comments, I will say I've had a soft spot for Corpse Repairman. Um, Even in its current form? Yeah, even in its current form. Uh I don't I don't know why. Maybe it's just that there's uh, just two bodies. I mean you have to discard a card, which is kind of painful um sometimes, but uh I don't know. I think if it cost four, that would be good. I guess I think it'd be very good at four. Yeah. Uh at five, I think that they should give it another point of uh of something of, of health you know yeah. if it were a three four for five that also that makes a that makes a valkyrie maybe yeah uh, right now the fact that it's a three three for five and then the valkyrie is often the smallest flyer on the board by the time it comes out makes it so that i don't really i'm not thrilled to have to play it but it's you know sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta play bad cards but there's no way that i can be convinced that repairman in its current form isn't a pretty bad card yeah okay and then last call, I keep trying to put in decks and have it be good. And it's just seven is so many power. It's just so much. Yeah. <laughs> I, like you get, you get some, what, what happens is that you get the lifesteal bonus and then you get back the life. And because you were so far behind board, because you were nursing the seven, seven cost card in your hand the whole time, that doesn't actually make you win the game. Yeah. Agreed. All right. On to some better cards in Primal. Yeah, Primal's good this this time. Remember when there was when Primal was never good? <laughs> there was yeah. like three sets in a row where you couldn't play Primal. Anyway, I will say one. it still sometimes feels like that when all that's left is like Little Brother and Sticky Fingers, and you're just like, oh sure, there's gonna be some bad commons, but Primal. <laughs> I, I'm not has... playing for Little Brother. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not playing any Little Brother. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I think the best common uh, is Green Stretch Griffin. That's a 2-2 flyer. Uh, it costs 3 primal, and if there's another unit with flying on the board when you play it, it has Unleash. Uh, and that's good enough. It's good enough as a 2-2 flyer for 3, honestly. That's a fine filler card, and this can be much, much better. It is. I, I will say the the not getting Unleash unless you have another flyer, you, it does have a deck-building constraint now, and you, you have to be aware of that, because that, that has come up for me, where you're just oh, like, oh, sure. This would be great if it had Unleashed right now, but it doesn't. Yeah, there's also a lot of ways to buff flyers in this format now. There's several uncommons that do it. Yeah. Um, and so it's just sort of in a better position than it often is. Uh, it. Uh, I think that that was one of my favorite changes they made. Because, um, yeah, it used to just always have Unleash. And now having something have a deck building component to it makes it uh, so that you have to make interesting choices, which is great. Yeah, that, that was, uh, this is uh, off topic a little bit, but Cassandra uh, made this point on stream and in Discord about how that would be like a cool change of aerial deployment is if it required you to art to have a bird or a Valkyrie on board for it to have Unleash. Yeah, it would be an interesting, I mean, it would, you would have to take Ariel out of the name or something, but what if they made a card that 
created a random uh unit of a type that you already have on the board it could be any type you know yeah uh that would be an that would be a really interesting card probably also broken but uh, yeah something like that well that's what i was thinking it's like if it required a valkyrie like there's so few good valkyries then it then it's interesting because then it's like oh well i have aerial deployment and it can be busted so let me play my repair man to get you know to get valkyries and and then you're like there's a pushing a pull to the card as compared to it always being good if you're at parity or ahead. Yeah, it's not good in its current state, that's for sure. Um, but Green Stretch Griffin uh, makes me make decisions like if I'm in if I'm in Skycrag, I will more often play that 3-3 Overwhelm uh, mm-hmm. Dragon for 5 because following that up with two Green Stretch Griffins on the next turn is great. Um, and a lot of times I cut that dragon because there's, again, competition for the five drop slot. But if I've got a green stretch griffin in my deck, no, dragon's probably staying in. Yes. Um, cool. And then, uh, then Primal also has a couple pretty good removal spells. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think the number two slot goes to Thunderpop. Thunderpop is a two primal fast spell that does two damage to any target and then scouts. Uh, it's great. I'll play any number of these in my deck. I thought there might be an upper limit to the number of Thunder Pops I'd like to play, and then I had like four in a deck, and that deck went seven wins easily, and I was like, nope, it's just a good card that I'll always play. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and it scouts. It's, it's great. It scouts. It lets your, it makes your next turn good, too. Uh, it's good. Uh, there's enough things that you can kill with it for two damage. It's not a good rate to do two damage, clearly. Two for two is, is not efficient removal, but the fact that it's fast... Uh, the fact that it's scouts, it just sort of adds up to being an overall very good card that you always want to play. Yes. There's enough things that it kills, for sure. Um, some of them some of them cost more than Thunder Pop, such as uh, Enraged Serpent, which does not make my top five. I think a lot of people would put Enraged Serpent above Green Stretch Griffin, but I don't. I think it's a significantly weaker because it costs four. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, then the next uh, next card on the list is Nevermore. Nevermore is a card that I kind of underestimated at first, and who knows why. Uh, it, it costs four primal, it's a fast spell, and it transforms an enemy unit into a 1-1 one, one raven with flying. And traditionally, I haven't been too high on cards that transform uh, your opponent's units into small, relatively useless units, because then you still have to deal with it. Uh, but the fact that Nevermore is fast is what changes it from almost all of those other spells because you can do it in the middle of combat after you've already blocked the unit. And that usually is enough to kill the unit. Um, and you can also Nevermore a unit that has had a combat trick played on it. <laughs> and then it's a 1-1 one, one with no combat trick on it, uh, which is devastating. Oh wow! Is it that's how it works with the combat trick? I didn't know that actually. Yeah, you let the combat trick resolve, and then you cast Nevermore, and now it's a one-one. Oh wow! Yeah, that is very devastating. Yeah, it just it just ends the game. Uh, usually, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought Nevermore was good uh, even before I knew that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to be clear, the situation I'm describing is like they attack with a two-two. You block with a three-three. They play. Um... Uh, saddle up, making them at a 6-6. You cast Nevermore, now it's a 1-1. And it dies. Yes, exactly. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, Nevermore. If, if it had a, a weapon on it, 
the Nevermore wouldn't get rid of the weapon. It would still be a 1-1 Raven wielding a weapon. But the combat trick would get erased. Right. Did you have another question? No, no, okay. I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you'll be forced to spend a Nevermore on something that isn't going to be getting into combat with you, and then the 1-1 survives, and then sometimes it kills you, but that's rare enough that it's not really that bad of a drawback. It's basically just a four-cost removal. It You can also see this coming because people will attack their tiny unit or like their sort of mid-size unit into your large unit, and you'll be like, what can they possibly have? Oh, right, Nevermore. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that they still have a Nevermore that can uh, destroy one of your units at any time. Whereas if it were a combat trick, you could play around it for a while until it no longer, until the combat trick no longer really did anything effective. But with Nevermore, it's still going to do some damage, so there's not like that same downside. Uh, it does cost four. It's expensive-ish for a removal spell, but as effective as it is, it's yeah. good. And Nevermore is kind of my... Uh, I, I always have a couple of cards that I use as really good signals, where if I start seeing them late in a pack, I'm like, oh, that's probably going to be open, and I mm -hmm. can switch factions now because that's too late for that particular card. Because if someone were in that faction, they'd definitely be taking it. Nevermore is kind of my card for that purpose, because if I see that like fifth or sixth pick, I'm like, yeah, Primal's probably going to be open later. Uh, even if it doesn't seem like it is now, I'll probably get some good Primal cards down the line. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. Uh, so Nevermore. Uh, number four for me is Ice Glider. Uh, it's a six drop. It costs six Primal. It's a two-three flyer with Aegis, and on summon, it deals its attack damage in... Uh, it deals its attack power in damage to an enemy. So usually two damage to an enemy. And it can do damage to face, so it can activate Frenzy. It can kill things that have two health. If you have a, a boost in play, such as a Wind Screamer, um, then that counts for its power. So uh, if it comes down as a 3-4, it does three damage to something. And that starts to be really silly if you've got a deck that has a lot of uh, flying bonuses. Um, it, it's pretty, it's a pretty expensive card. I don't like to pack my deck with these if I can help it, but it is kind of a good thing to do on turn six. A lot of the time you usually take one thing out and then, uh, you're attacking in the air with a two, three, uh, but also the Aegis is a really good thing because you can put weapons on it on, and it's hard to kill, you know, a, a dune wave is going to cost six to get rid of an ice glider. And I will do that to an ice glider if I have to. Uh, and I've done it, <laughs> but it's you know not what you want to be doing with your Dune Wave. You want to be efficiently taking care of six power uh, flyers. So yeah, Ice Glider is just sort of good, um, just a good card. I underestimated it at first because it is a two three flyer for six, but it's the fact that it can activate Frenzy or kill something makes it so versatile that it's just sort of always a a strong role player. Yeah, Ice Glider is a card that I, another one of those cards that I have trouble figuring out where I should be picking it, because it does play well, and it's been good for me and against me, but then I'm just like hesitant to pick it early because it does cost six, and it's not like you can play four or five of them or whatever. Yeah. I don't like and, to pick them up early either, yeah. I pick some, I, in a really dead pack, 
turn like pick three or four sometimes you pick up an ice glider but you you wouldn't want to stay married to it you know you're not you're not in primal now yeah exactly and so so i i tend to i then in those kind of packs tend to pick like a cheaper card in a different color and then i end up not in primal or not with a bunch of ice gliders but yeah it's kind of an interesting card because i when you do when you play it it's almost always pretty good yeah yeah all right yeah. then uh i think this is maybe a joke pick but <laughs> no way i honestly i would yeah. pick this card over ice glider uh, fair enough <laughs> all right so we're going to talk about scaly gruen now uh so scaly gruen is another card from set one it is a one four for two primal that's it that's all it is uh, and it's good in this format, maybe the best it's ever been in a limited format, just because uh, all of the units in this format are terrible and it blocks them. Like, your 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 best common in fire, or your two best commons in fire are shut down by this thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I hear you have a rebel sharpshooter. Well, good for you. I have a two cost one four. You're never going to do damage to me. <laughs> I know. I recently, uh, last week, had a Stone Scar deck. I went seven two, and my two losses were to turn two Scaly Gruon. And I was just like, I I cannot get enough damage in now to close out the game before my opponent takes over. Yeah, yeah, it does. It blocks so much damage that uh, it it gains health. And because there's so many flyers in this format, uh, that the sort of traditional flyers formula of playing some early ground blockers and then filling the air with flyers uh is just literally what you can do um you you just you just plop down as many gruins as you need and then and then and then win with flyers because the gruins block well enough to to do that job um and then of course you can follow that up with like you know, warriors or whatever to for more substantial blockers too um but often you know, all you need is the gruins like I'm, I'll, I'll play any number of scaly gruins before i'll play my first Yoden warrior yeah Exactly. Yeah, and then I think the only other comment I have for Primal is please don't play Hydrate. Yeah, Hydrate's bad, but uh, it's another card where there will be situations where it feels really good, um, but I think most of the time it's not. I had Patrick Sullivan hit me really hard with a Hydrate. Like, I was killing, I was going to kill a 4-4 with my Stone Scar bow. And he cast one, and he had two power left. He cast one hydrate on it, and that kind of wrecked me that game. But it's going to be so rare that something like that happens, um, or or that you like have a unit that you want to draw again. Uh, I mean, ideally, you would put it on like some unleash unit, and so then you can make a million of them when you draw it again or something. But uh, I don't know. It's it's a lot of work for a dubious benefit. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then other cards that are still playable because Primal's common pool is pretty deep is like Sleight of Hand and Enraged Serpent. I know a lot of people don't like Sleight of Hand, but in, it's fine. <laughs> it's a fine playable card. Uh, Reverberating Strike, you know, Pin the Jotun is good in some decks, but definitely not in others. It's just, uh, you just got a lot of options if you go into Primal. You're never going to end up without enough playables. Yeah, I have yet to play a Pin the Jotun, and I'm kind of happy with that, but it's real good if you've got frenzy triggers and then a few things that uh, either have deadly or um, or just you know high attack power. Right. Yeah. 
but you don't want to fill your deck with them you know usually you'll, you'll play one and it'll be like this one turn late in the game where you activate frenzy and kill one of your opponent's units and win the game but yeah uh, not even every deck wants one so yeah it's not one of the best comments yeah for two less power than the fire one for oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's better than that <laughs> <laughs> bringing endorsement better than riot flame yeah all right uh, so shadow oh sorry let me let you do the announcement <laughs> yeah no it's okay uh, yeah, so next is uh, Shadow. Some pretty good Shadow cards, too, especially after all the Shadow buffs. Uh, yeah, Shadow was in a real bad state before in the previous version of the format, but they, they gave it a lot of buffs, and now I end up in Shadow most of the time, actually. Um, I think the best common is Through the Unknown. It is a one Shadow fast spell. Um, draw a unit from your void. If it's a Shadow unit, deal one damage to the enemy player. Uh, I don't know why bringing units back from the void is so good in, in Eternal, but it is. Uh, it's good in this format because of Unleash, again, because of an Unleashed unit dies, or even if you just summon an Unleashed unit, there's going to be a copy in your void. And uh, getting a, an Unleashed unit back and then summoning it later when you have enough uh, power to make more than one of it is good. Uh, can, I, having, can I? Yeah. Oh. My my super secret uh, tech this format is to draft a small handful of good units because that's all there are and all you can get, and then draft multiple through the unknowns, and then just keep playing my good units and not playing all the bad units in my deck. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's fine strategy. <laughs> you can basically count through the unknown as a unit if you care about your unit count. Yeah, and I uh, want to play multiple. I yeah, and I want to multiply the number of good units I have in my deck because there right. are very few of those. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, just sort of having your void as a library of of stuff that you can play is good. Um, the, the change that they made to through the unknown was to make it a fast spell instead of a regular spell, and that's actually really great. Uh, just because sometimes there's going to be, like if you're Feln or something, you're going to want to leave up power um, on your opponent's turn, and then if you don't need to do anything with the power, just cast you through the unknown and, and set up your next turn. Yep, exactly. And also being able to activate Frenzy at fast speed is good, and there's a limited number of cards that can actually do that. So, yeah, just a good overall card. Number two for me is Thirsty Bat. Um, Thirsty Bat's a 2-1 flyer for two. That's pretty much it. Um, if you activate Frenzy, it gets Lifesteal for the turn, uh, which is a nice bonus, but if they, if that were not true, if they left that off the card, it would still be a 2-1 for 2, which is good enough. <laughs> it's a very efficient flyer. It does have the drawback that it has one health and a bunch of stuff kills it, uh, but also it's just an aggressive way to start. 2-1 um, flyers for 2 have been some of the best commons for a while. There was Primal had one a couple of sets ago, and I think it was the best common that Primal had at the time. Um, so I like Thirsty Bat. Uh, it's a it's a strong two drop in in a in a format with only a few of them, and uh, that's a good way to good way to start a game is to get a Thirsty Bat in the air and then just make your opponent deal with it. Yes, agreed. I've, I've been liking it. it's really good in uh, yeah in all all the decks. It's good. It's good in aggressive decks because you get in a bunch of damage with it. It's good in like the 
all all good in the control decks because it can get life steal, you know. So it it sort of takes some of the pressure off sometimes uh, on its own. Yeah, uh, yeah, it it helps in races because sometimes it's two aggressive decks versus each other, and the bat helps to win the race. Uh, just a strong overall card. So my third pick is Bust Out. Bust Out is sort of the shadow marquee removal common. Um, it costs five shadow, and it's a spell. It co- it says kill an enemy unit, and it gets void bound. Um, and that void bound part is actually relevant fairly often because there is still a pack of uh, from from the last set, and Kaldaren Captain is still a thing. Um, Bust Out kills Kaldaren Captain cold. It does not get to use its revenge. Yes, exactly. And it, this is this card is so much better at five than six. Yeah, significantly. Yes. So yeah, I think it's a a, a very solid card. Um, yeah, I'll play two, maybe three, if I'm short on playables. Yes, I will say it does. Sometimes it is ineffective against certain strategies, like go wide unleash. Oh yeah, where you're just like, oh, this, this. It's like really bad when your opponent on six plays like three, uh, you know, platoons, and then all you have is is a, a a bust out in hand. Oh yeah, I mean, this is why I'll play any number of thunder pops, but I'll only play like one or two bust outs. Exactly. It's expensive removal is expensive. All right, then uh, number four, I think, is a surprising pick to me. Oh, really? Um, I am confident in it. I I have it as Collection Rounds. Collection Rounds is a fast spell with uh, that costs three shadow, and it plays two one one minotaurs with taunt. Um, that's it. Uh, one thing to note about this is that they don't have ambush. Uh, if you can't play um, collection rounds in response to a relic weapon attack, which is something that I, until I tried it, thought <laughs> it could do, <laughs> uh, it can't. Uh, but of course, they are they work fine as ambush in a regular attack because they'll you can block with them um, against opposing units. Uh, yeah, I like it um, because it splits the the taunt into the two different um, bodies, you can sort of do some silly things. Uh, you can sort of attack with one of them and then get get all of, get the rest of your army through for damage, and then you can do it again with the other one. Um, if your opponent was foolish enough to play a couple of things with one toughness, this can do for one them. Um, it, does, it does put uh, two slash two worth of stats onto the board as an ambush that can be split up so you can use it as chump blockers or to kill a small unit uh i don't know it's it's just sort of a versatile card that does enough that i am pretty happy to play them yeah no i i think it's a, a fine card and it, it would definitely make my honorable mentions i i play a lot of them but i would have your fifth pick and then um spoiler alert a card that didn't make your list uh panic ensues Probably, oh sure, uh, probably above it. That's fair. Um, but let's talk about Starving Horror. Is that's my fifth pick? Uh, it's a four-one with ambush for three shadow, and yeah, it's a good-ish card. Um, it's good. It's 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 fine. Um, it does kill a lot of mid-range units. It's one of the. I guess I forgot to mention this earlier, but this is kind of the one common that can really deal effectively with a happy harvester. Although it is 
awkward because you have to leave up the power um, to do it. But it's fine. It's something that you have to be aware of when you're against an opponent and they leave up power is that it's likely to be a starving horror a lot of the time and you've got to be able to play around that. Um, so it's good at what it does. It uh, It's often you can play your 4-1 at the end of their turn and then use removal on your next turn to get rid of their only blocker or maybe they just attack with everything uh, anyway because they um you know your your board was empty because you're leaving power up and you didn't play a unit and then you get to hit them for four uh it's fine starving harder is fine i think collection rounds makes is is a little feels a little better to me because it gives me a little bit more con control over the state of the board going forward starving horror is just one unit that can be killed completely mm -hmm. with a thunder pop or something um but uh it does put more stats on the board immediately, the Starving Horror. It's a 4-1 as opposed to like a, a, a loose 2-2 with two bodies. Um, so yeah, I think it's a toss-up, honestly. They're both around the same thing. But I'm probably, I am probably going to take my first collection rounds before my first Starving Horror. And I might be wrong. Uh, maybe I'll change my mind over the course of the format if I play any more of the format at all. Which yeah. I might not do. I haven't played for several days, by the way. Uh, but uh, but yeah, they're in the same ballpark, I would say. Yeah. So I, I think also part of it is my in my experience, I get I end up with more collection rounds than starving horrors. So that might they might be they might be getting valued by the general population higher, and that's why. So yeah, I could be entirely wrong about it. I've just had. I've just had a few games where I've had more games where collection rounds totally wrecks me from my opponent than games where my a starving horror does. So yeah, I uh, did have an opponent once play um, collection rounds turn three, collection rounds turn four, and then the legendary Minotaur relic turn five yeah. against me. And that uh, yeah, that's gonna happen sometimes, and <laughs> there's not much you can do. And I was like, how did you? How did this all work out? And against yeah, they, me. They probably also have the 4-3 rare with Unleash, too. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, but yeah. Sue's uh, is fine. It's a fine card, but I find myself cutting them fairly often unless I have a frenzy-heavy deck. That's mm -hmm. the fast spell for 3 shadow with Unleash that gives an enemy unit a permanent minus 1, minus 1, and it deals 1 damage to its owner. And it's totally fine. It's sort of an expensive combat trick that can also be a removal spell and it also has that uh frenzy capability so that is usually enough to make it a versatile decent card but i do think it's still most of the time clunky enough that i'm not going to be taking it until i know that i have the frenzy activations in my deck to take advantage of it fully. yeah yeah i guess in my limited experience i've found that it's easier to get frenzy cards than frenzy activators and so um i i kind of like that i mean not that there's not a lot of like damage spells but like the nice thing about panic ensues is you're affecting the board and triggering frenzy which is what you like most ideally want oh yeah a... yeah and it is and it's a fine playable card um but Shadow's common pool is relatively deep, not quite as deep as Primal's, but there's not a lot of outright bad cards in it. So you're gonna, um, so even the cards that I'm not actively like excited about are still are still gonna be enough to fill out the deck. Like I'll play a Midnight Goon, um, I'll play 
of Tensky Mercenary, you know, the cards that I'm not like super into. Um, I mean, I'll play a Notaron Collect. Certainly people will play Notaron Collects on me constantly, every game, multiple times. Um, I don't think I've ever had a card played on me as much as I have <laughs> Notaron Collects played on me. I think it's the most common card in the entire format. At least it feels that way. Um, tell you, I sure keep an extra sigil in hand a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, that's Nordron Collect is definitely a begrudgingly playable card sometimes. Yeah, I've had very good players play it against me. It's not a bad card. It's just a super annoying one. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Those that's that's everything. We talked Yeah, about that's everything. Um I I I did force hats to make a quick list, so we're just gonna read it off and then we'll I think we'll end the show because we have been going on for a little while here. But um so here is Hat's current um and possibly forever set in stone if he never plays another game of Eternal Draft, uh list of the top commons. Yeah, put, uh, that in, put that in carbonite. <laughs> <laughs> number one is Grumbo's Platoon. Number two is Green Stretch Griffin. Number three, Happy Harvester. Number four, Towering Karazhan. And number five, Through the Unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Fight me. <laughs> <laughs> cool. oh, I, do, I do hate ranking cards, I'll tell you. Yeah. But but that's it. We made it. It's that's set in stone. All, all all we did was rank cards. <laughs> okay, so I think we're gonna end our show here. Uh, so thank you, Hats, for coming on again. Uh, thank you to all our patrons uh, for supporting the show, uh, even through our little bit of a hiatus. Um, a reminder to give us a five star rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You can join us in our Discord. A uh, lot of chatter, a lot of people asking for help and getting help in the Discord uh, recently. There will be a link in the show description. And finally, thumbs up all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts about the show. And don't forget it to send all your seven wind decks you do this week to the to the Discord. And remember to keep on farming. Have a good night. Good night. Goodbye. All right.